Good morning, good morning, Rabbi Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is dedicated by Lauren and Jacob Rabanian in honor of Lauren Rabanian's birthday. We listen from LA and love the class. Hazaku Baruch. Also dedicated in honor of his wife Molly on their wedding anniversary. Baruch Hashem from her husband Joe Batesh. Hazaku Baruch. Congratulations. Also dedicated for a speedy and complete refuah from Victor Rafael Chaim and Ida, sponsored by Michal Dweck. Dedicated in celebration of Caroline Ash, becoming a bat mitzvah sponsored anonymously, Mazal Tov and Mabruk. Uh, dedicated as well for the speedy and complete refuah of Chana Bat Simafega and Eliyahu Shemom and Mazal Fortune. Um, also dedicated uh, as well, uh, the week of Cobra sponsored by David E. Ash in honor of you and your substantial capacity to, good, to, to, to do good today and every day. And finally, uh, dedicated loving memory of Mr. Edmund J. Yaakov, for his Askarah's philanthropy has reached and continues to reach so many throughout the entire world. Uh, and tonight at 6.30 till 8 o'clock, the program is, uh, we're doing a program uh, for his Askarah, uh, which is today. And that's at 6.30 till 8. Uh, it's going to be getting us in the zone for Chanukah with uh, short speeches from each one of the rabbis, 15-20 minutes, to get you in the zone, to light your fire for Hanukkah. The program is called Uplighting. Looking forward to seeing you there. Okay, let us begin, my friends. The Pasuk says that Yosef Sadiq finds himself in the house of Potiphar. And in the house of Potiphar, Potiphera, Potiphar's wife, starts to try and convince uh, Yosef to be with her to seduce him, to speak sweet nothings in his ear day after day after day. And finally the day comes. And it was on this day. And Yosef came to the house to do his work at the house. And none of the men, nobody was there at home when Yosef came that day to do his work. Anyway, this woman sees her chance. No one is home. Our rabbis tell us that, that was the day of their uh, big celebration, their holiday celebration. So they, they had to do what they needed to do uh, to go to, I don't know, to the temple. So everyone's gone. She tells them that she's not feeling well. She stays home. And now she tries, with no one there, she tries to, uh, to pressure Yosef into committing this sin with her. Now, our rabbis tell us in the Gemaran Sotan, page Lamidvav 36, Shira'a demut aviv that Yosef saw the image of his father, Upiresh, and he was able to run away, even though the temptation was great. Yosef uh, was able to run away after seeing the image of his father. And the Chachamim give us many different explanations as to what this means, but I want to show and I want to derive something together with you from these words. The Pasuk says, Ve'en ish me'anshe'abayit there was no man from the people who lived in that home uh, in the house. And the Zohar tells us that what it's trying to communicate is that there was no man from the house in the house. But there was another man who was not from that house, who was present in the home that morning. And that is the Demut Yaakov, the image of Yaakov that was there. Now, I want to just draw a line under this idea of the Zohar. The Zohar seems to be teaching us that there was no man at home, but there was a man who was not from that home at home. And who was that? The, uh, the Dumut Yaakov Avinu. Can I ask you a question? Was Yaakov present in the home so that the Zohar should say there was nobody from the house at home, but there was someone else at home? Who was that? Yaakov. Yaakov was not there. Dumut Yaakov means the image of Jacob was there. 
Let me give you an example as to what, what, I'm, uh, what I'm referring to. The Yalkut Shemoni, okay, brings another interpretation. What does the Pasuk mean to say, and there was no man uh, from the people of the house at home? What does it mean? It means there was no man. Rather, excuse me, Sefer Ta'ama Dikra. He quotes the Sefer HaYashar. Osnat Hayta Yalda Ketana. Remember, later on, Yosef does marry someone from Egypt. Who does he marry? He marries Osnat Bat Potifera. Who is Osnat? Osnat is Dina's daughter who's raised by Potifera. So she's the adopted daughter of Potiphar. So there's a child in the house. The child witnesses everything that took place. When her father, her stepfather gets home, she runs up to her stepfather. She told Potiphar what really happened. If you would have found out, you're Potiphar, you find out that Yosef, the servant, was trying to, uh, uh, to take, what would you do? You'd kill him. Why does he throw him in jail? And the answer is because his daughter, his stepdaughter told him what really happened. So when the Pasuk says there was no man from the men of the house, what does it mean? It means there was no man from the men of the house. But who was there? Someone who was not a man. This child, this girl, Osnat. Now the reason why I'm bringing the Tameh Akra, this Tameh Akra in the name of the Sefer Yashar, is to illustrate this person or this group of people was not in the home, but there was someone who was there. And who was that? The daughter. I'm trying to apply that same methodology to the language of the Gemara. The Gemara says that they weren't there, but who was there? Yaakov. It's not the same. With Osnat, she physically was present. With Yaakov, was Yaakov actually present? He was not. The Demut means he saw an image of, he had like a, a prophecy, uh, you know, he saw him in his mind's eye. How could you make this Derasha in the same way? And I'm trying to figure this out and trying to work my way around it. Now, I agree. I'm saying that that person is still not there. Still not there. You see, that's why I brought you the other derasha. Because in the other derasha, it says there was no men from the men of the house that was home. What is it coming to tell you? But there was someone who was not a man of the house. But they were there. Osenat was there. How could you compare that to this, like the idea of Yaakov? Now, what you're saying is partially correct. But I'm pushing back because I want you to see and I want to illustrate how powerful this lesson has to be for all of us. We are not saying that Yosef thought of Yaakov. It's not what we're saying. It's not what we're saying. We're saying that Yaakov was there. Now, in order to say that, we have to understand what that means. I want to take you on a little bit of a journey for a minute through the Chumash. Our rabbis tell us, Yaakov Avinu lo met. We're going to discover this in the parasha of Vayechi. Vayechi Yaakov and Yaakov lived. Says the, says the Gemara, what does it mean that Yaakov lived? Yaakov Avinu lo met. Ask the Gemara, I don't understand. Bechinam, chantu, achotim. Did they embalm him for nothing? It, tell, it tells us they embalmed him. It tells us that they buried him. 
What does it mean that they buried him? That they embalmed him if he wasn't dead? The Gemara says, what do you want from my life? Mikra ani doresh. That's what the answer of the Gemara is. You're asking me a question. A question. I'm telling you that I'm learning the Pasuk. The Pasuk says that Yaakov Avinu is alive. The question is, what does that mean? You're making a dirasha, but the Pasuk also tells you that he was buried. So maybe you're learning the wrong dirasha from the Pasuk. And the answer is that you have to learn, when you're learning Torah, you have to learn to live with two ideas and be able to hold on to both of those ideas simultaneously. Let me explain what I mean. The Gemara tells us, Le'olam, always, a person should always be, the Mishnah tells us, Me'od, me'od, ruach. A person should be uh, low of spirit. Right? We pray every day, right? And my soul should be, should be like the earth. So on the one hand, we're praying that we should be very, very low, correct? On the other hand, we find in the Navi, the Pasuk says, And his heart was lifted. Right? His heart was lifted in the ways of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We find that the Bnei Israel are called Baishanim, people who are bashful. They are embarrassed. And then we find that the Jewish people are called Azepanim, that they have chutzpah, that they're brazen. So on the one hand, we're being told to be humble and bashful. On the other hand, we're being told, Az Kanamer, first night, the beginning of the Shulchan Aruch, Mishnah Perkevot, Yehuda You're supposed to have the brazenness, the chutzpah, the forward nature of a leopard. So which is it? Leaning back, bashful, hiding, or forward, out in the open. Which is it supposed to be? Are you supposed to be, uh, you know, rushing to be first, or hanging out in the back, not looking for the... Which one is it? And the answer, my friends, is that the answer truly is both. And it is a person's job to be able to figure out when and how, and to what degree, to employ any of these character traits. But a person who thinks that there's never a place for that thing is not understanding the fact, the simple fact, that if God created something in this world, it must have a purpose to be used for the good. And everything and every experience and every character trait, everything in this world must have some form of positive expression. It might be smaller, it might be rarer, right? But it must have a positive expression. We've already explained this. Why? Because if it didn't have a positive expression, it couldn't exist. God is good. That means that everything that God creates must be good. How could there be something which is purely evil with no good expression? It's not possible. Even killing has a positive expression. As an example, you see someone who's about to take someone's life, what's the halakha? You're supposed to save the person who's about to be killed, even if it means killing the person who's about to kill somebody. So the, the question you have to ask is, when? When? 
When is that a good thing? It might be so rare that a person will never use that in his entire life. I've never had to kill anyone in my life. Please God, I will never have to kill anyone in my whole life. You might have large segments of the population that will never. But if you take a soldier or a police officer who refuses to use his gun in the right time, that is an act tantamount to murder. Someone's about to be killed. Your job is to protect him from the violent criminals about to kill him. If you don't act in that moment, you're going to go to prison. Why didn't you, why didn't you do what you're supposed to do? Defend the defenseless. Is that clear? My friends, now that we understand this, we come back here. Yaakov Avinu is dead. But Yaakov Avinu does not die. Why? And I want to share something that I believe is very powerful. Now it is true that the Talmud tells us that righteous people never die. Righteous people, even in their death, are still called alive. And ironically, Rishaim says the Gemara, paradoxically, even in their lifetime, Nikraim Metim are called dead. That is true on a global level about righteous people and about wicked people. Why? A wicked person is going with the flow. He's acting on instinct. He's satisfying his urges, his desires. Even while he's alive, there's no expression of his consciousness, of his soul. He's acting like an animal that has no brain and no soul. And therefore, even while he's alive, he's dead. He's going through the motions, but he's dead. A sadiq, every moment of their life, what are they doing? They're fighting their base desires. Their expression of self is burning bright. And the lessons that they taught the world will outlive them on the day of their death. So therefore, a tzaddik, even after he passes away, is very much alive. However, we don't say this line about everyone in the same way that we say it about Yaakov Avinu. And why? Our rabbis tell us that each one of the avot stood for something. Avraham stands for chesed. Yitzchak stands for givurah. And Yaakov taught the world Torah. Okay? Yaakov was the Amud, was the pillar of Emet. He was the pillar of Torah. People ask, what do you mean? Isn't he, doesn't he stand for truth, Rabbi? Yes. What do we say? Moshe Emet, the Torah Emet. The nature of Torah is truth. When we say that God's seal is truth, what are we referring to? We're referring to the Torah. Okay? Yaakov Avinu who stood for Torah, who spends 14 years uninterrupted in Yeshivat Shem Va'ever, he begins this concept of outliving your life in a way that Abraham and Yitzchak and every other tzaddik does not have, where the Torah is testifying about it. And I always love this understanding. The rabbi asks him, what do you mean he's alive? It says that they buried him. It says that they embalmed him. What is his answer? He says, Doresh. What do you want from me? I'm reading in the Pasuk. You normally you read that as a weak answer. He's saying, look, I'm saying what the Pasuk says. The other guy's also coming from the Pasuk. It's not what he's meaning. That's not what he means. What he's telling him is, you know how I know Yaakov is alive? Because Mikrani Doresh. Because I'm sitting here, as are you. And we're sitting here arguing about the interpretation of a Pasuk. Who'd we learn that from? 
Yaakov, if Mikra Ani Doresh, if I'm learning Pshat in a Pasuk, then is Yaakov Avinu not alive with us right here, right now? You hear that? Do you understand that? It's not the verse that he was interpreting. It's the fact that he was interpreting a verse that he was sitting around studying. When we sit and study Dafyomi, when we come to breakfast in the class, you know, just a couple days ago, because it's a, around the time of New Year, Spotify started this thing where they tell you, they give you info about, your, about the podcast that you launch. Lots of people have messaged me because if you're a listener, you also get, the, you can go to Spotify and it tells you, who did you listen to the most? How many minutes did you listen to? What number, you know, is this your top podcast? People messaging me with screenshots that Torah State of Mind is their top podcast that they listen to. And it tells them how many minutes. One guy said, Rabbi, I want to show you something. The podcast is the reason I get involved. I listen to it now. Chazak is the reason I'm in yeshiva. I listen to it now, even when I'm studying in yeshiva. He's the top half a percent of our listeners. He has listened to Torah State of Mind this year over 10,000 minutes of listening. My friends, all of those minutes... They don't belong to me. They belong to Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu lomet. My friends, I believe that that's what we're talking about. When we say, There was nobody home. Says the Zohar, but there was someone in the house with him. Yaakov Avinu was in the house with him. Now it's true he had a picture in his mind's eye. But you know what? I have a picture in my mind's eye. And you know what it looks like? Michael Jordan, tongue out, <laughs> doing a slam dunk from the foul line. Anyone who was born in roughly the time of year, like if you guys were alive back then, every person has that image in their mind with his red, you know, bull's jersey, tongue hanging out, legs spread wide, climbing in the sky, slam dunking. From the Fallon. You all remember that. Could you all see it in your mind's eye? Michael Jordan is not here with us in the room. We might have mentioned him. Maybe we're thinking about him. But he's not here. You know why? Because none of us is laced up playing basketball right now. None of us. None of us is sitting here working on our shot every day 50,000 times. We're not. We're not doing it. We're not chasing his dream. We're not actualizing what he is. In the eyes of the Torah, what is a person? What is their life? Their life is if they're leaving their mark on the people around them in a way where it is causing them to act differently than they would have acted. That's what it means. So it's Sadiq that outlives his life. Why does he outlive his life? You know, we mentioned this past week, we talked about Ham Shaul Kassim. It was his yard site, so we said the Mishi Berach, we said, excuse me, the Hashkava for his, uh, for his soul. Because Ham Yaakov Kassim, Ham Shaul, the things that they put in the community, the things that they safeguarded in the community, they are still alive, present, and kicking in the community. So therefore, when we said that Hashkava, he was here with us, present in the world, in the room. My friends, if your father has passed away, if your mother has passed away, your grandfather, your grandmother have passed away, 
but you still do what they said, what they taught you. You still give tzedakah in the way that they showed you. You still open your home in the way that they taught you to do. When someone comes to your house on Friday night, not only are they sitting at your table, your parents are sitting at your table as well. They're present, alive, in the room. And that's the, tr the true power of what we're learning over here with Yosef HaSadiq. Yosef is having the most difficult moment of his life. And I always say this. What was so hard for Yosef was not just that there was some woman who wanted to be with him. The Midrash tells us that Yosef was so beautiful that people would climb over walls, the girls would climb over walls just to get a glimpse of him. They would be peeling vegetables, potatoes, this, that, and they would be slicing off pieces of their skin, just completely unaware because of how beautiful Yosef was. Some of you may have had that experience also. <laughs> I was at a chuppah, and, and there was two women that fainted at the chuppah. I said, you know, when I was young, I never had this effect on women. Yes, Yaakov, Yosef, Sadiq, everyone was chasing him. What was the big thing over here, Potiphar? What was so powerful for him? There's such a challenge. I think that what Potiphar wanted from Yosef and what Yosef wanted from Potiphar was not just this physical connection. Yosef, in his life, has no one in the world who wants him, who wants to be with him, who loves him. The only person in the world that loves his mother is gone. His father thinks he's dead. His brothers want him dead. Do you know what it feels like to be wanted, to be needed by somebody? That is such a challenge for Yosef in this moment. Especially because Potiphera, it says, understands that she has something to do in the future with Yosef. And by the way, it comes true through Osinat, who is considered to be her daughter. Osinat, as the Torah says, Bat Potiphera. So Yosef actually has children through Potiphera. So there's something very deep going on over there. But Yosef understands that this is not it. And this is not the way. And this is not the time. And this is not how it goes down. Sneaking, backdoor channels, nobody's there. Impossible. It can't be, and I always say this, it can't be that something right is going to come out of something wrong. You have people all the time try and justify, but if I do that, Rabbi, then I'll be able to give so much tzedakah. Rohi, you're stealing. If you steal... You didn't give tzedakah. How many times do people come to tell me about things like this? Family members that cheated them out of something. Everyone talks about them, about how generous, how kind, how big tzedakah they give. They're not give, easy for them to give my money to tzedakah. It can't be that something right's going to come out of something wrong. Yosef HaSadiq, all he needs to do in that moment is channel his father. He needs to see his father. And if Yaakov Avinu was not in the house that day, Yosef would have fallen.
Because Yosef understood, felt, could touch, could feel that if he did this, says the Gemara in Sanhedrin, he would no longer be part of the Bnei Yaakov, of the children of Yaakov. The uh, Chachamim tell us that the words Vayimaen, and he refused, stand for Vayar Yosef Mare Aviv Negdo. And Yosef saw the image of his father opposite him. Vayimaen, Vayomer Yaakov, Me'efod Atanimchak. And Yaakov said to him, from the ephod, from the twelve breastplate, you're going to be erased. Vayomer Yosef again, Vayimaen. Vayomer Yosef, I must save myself from this Avon. And on the aftermath of all those Vayimaens, the Pasuk says, And Yosef saw the form of his father. My friends, I want to illustrate that if you look carefully, those two words, they change. First we talk about Demut Aviv. We talk about Mare Aviv the image of his father, the vision of his father. But when Yosef runs out that door, Vayetze, Vayar Yosef, Tzurat Aviv. Now he doesn't see an image. Now the image has become a form. Now the idea and the theory and the logic and the intellectual, the idea becomes real. In the minute Yosef runs out, what becomes clear that Yaakov was in the building? My friends, my grandfather, Alava Shalom, Selim Farhi, was someone who spent his time, his life, working for the community. My father and his brothers at his, at his Askara uh, recently were talking about their father and all the great hasadim that he did for the people in Halab in Syria. And I looked at my father's, my father, his brothers, people that work for the community. I look at my family, where every person in our family, in one form or another, has done communal work for Am Yisrael. And I think to myself, Many of us have a family member who's no longer here on earth. But that doesn't mean that they can't be present. Bringing our forefathers back to life is as simple as channeling, understanding what did they teach me and bringing that out in the world. And in that moment, your father's doing a mitzvah. Your mother's doing a mitzvah. Their place in Gan Eden is raised. Your grandfather, your great-grandfathers. And my friends, the minute that happens also, they become also connected to us in a way where from Shamaim they can influence the occurrences, the daily practices of our lives. Why? When we bring them back to life, we again establish that connection between Shamaim and us. Now, not to say that they have any power in the world other than God. To believe in that is to believe in idol worship. But they can go to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And they can become our attorneys in heaven and knock on heaven's door and pray before God like Rachel Imenu and bring about Yeshua for us here on earth. 
because we've opened that channel again. What a powerful thing. Yosef does it when his father is in Israel. But my friends, I want to share with you and I'll end with this. The final blessing that Yaakov gives to Yosef's children. The angel that protected me from all bad in my life. He should bless the children. And call them in my name. B'shem avotai in the name of my forefathers. Unbelievable. They'll grow, they'll be special. And what's the condition of my angel, my guardian angel protecting them? Are you calling them in my name and in the name of my forefathers? What are the names of our children? Do you understand the power when you call your child from the other room? And you say, Shlomo, invoking Shlomo HaMelech. Yaakov, Vayehi Yaakov. Avram, Vashem Berachet Avraham Bakot. What a powerful idea to bring them here in the room with us. That is something very special. Baruch Adonai Le'olam, Amen